Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we got a special guest today. I'm flying solo today. No Carson Cunningham, but we do have a special guest, Joey Graham, joining the podcast. Had a great time chatting with him about his Oklahoma State career, his NBA career. Obviously, he was part of that 2004 Final Four team that Carson and I kind of broke down recently, and then uh, the 2005 Sweet 16 team as well. So enjoyed talking about that, about his NBA career, and just kind of what he's up to these days. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed these. We're going to do uh, more of them as we figure out the uh, the content-making situation in the days and weeks, and hopefully not months, but possibly months to come. Uh, one way you can help out, you know, people have been kind of asking about, you know, how's how are things going? Uh, they're okay. They're not great. You know, it's it's hard. So much of this business is predicated upon uh, games and events and recruiting, and none of that stuff is going on right now. So, you know, we've been grinding. We've been trying to figure stuff out, create some some fun content for you guys, doing more podcasts because that's always fun to talk to different players and coaches and personalities. Uh, so we've got a lot more of those coming uh, next week and, and hopefully in the weeks beyond that. But uh, I, I do have a post up on the site right now. Uh, there's a link at the very top of the homepage. It says uh, how to help PFB out during the COVID-19 pandemic. And you can go click on that post. Most of the stuff is just like, hey, subscribe to and rate the podcast. Um, participate in our forum. That's been a lot of fun. That's been a good community and, and just a lot of fun to kind of hang out in there, get to know different people, hear about people's situations. I think it's engendered empathy, which is not something that's super common in our world, uh, in the world we live in, as Gundy would say. So you can go check that post out. Uh, we do have a giveaway. I'm taping this on Friday. We have a giveaway where we're giving away a bunch of PFB Plus subscriptions. So you can go find uh, that giveaway post in our forum, forum.pistolsfiringblog.com. And uh, all you have to do is tell us who your favorite OSU player is. Maybe it's Joey Graham. You can just put his name on there. And we're giving away, I think we're up to like eight or nine uh, PFB Plus subscriptions for, for the next year. So that's kind of a fun thing. We're going to be doing more giveaways. Uh, our sponsors uh, for, for this podcast, Chris's, and then Hoboken Coffee. We're going to give away some stuff from them over the next few uh, weeks and, and possibly months. And we'll do that in our forum. So if you haven't joined the forum yet, go do that. Forum.pistolsfiringblog.com. And uh, let's get to this week's guest, Joey Graham, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Okay, we've got uh, Joey Graham, former Final Four participant, Sweet 16 participant, and longtime NBA player. Joey, how is, uh, how's the quarantine life in, in Oklahoma? It's been challenging. <laughs> Trying to figure out what to do with these kids every day, every minute of the day. So, um, you know, but the bigger picture is trying to find a vaccine um, so we can get everybody healthy again and get this, 
this uh, virus manageable. I know. Yeah, it's, that's it's, but it's it's been good. It's, it's weird. Been, uh, we've it, been okay. It's weird because, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with different people where if you would cut that clip and, and, and give it to myself like a year or two ago, I would have thought, like, did did a nuclear bomb go off? Like, what happened in the United States in 2020? It's been... It's been a really strange time. Uh, I'm curious about how 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 old, are, how old are your kids, and what have you been what have you been doing to pass the time with them? The oldest daughter is seven, and then the, the baby daughter is three, about to be four. So they're uh, they're at that age where you know they have to stay busy all <laughs> the time, <laughs> or they're just going to drive you crazy. You know, they got a million questions, and you got to have a million answers. So. <laughs> Yeah, we've got. But yeah, like you said, it's been a challenging. It's been a challenging sequence of events that's been going on here. Kobe, and then the the virus, and you know what's next. You know that's yeah. what I seem to think about all the time. What was the Kobe thing like for you? Because you obviously played against him and and were around. Yeah, and really so, good friends with Kobe. Yeah. What What was that like? I mean, where, where were you? It was, it was a little surreal. You know, I was here in, in Stillwater. Um, when it first happened, I was in the gym training some, some kids and one of the, the kids came up to me and was like, did you hear about Kobe died? You know, I thought it was a, a joke and I was like, Kobe who, <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't, there was a couple guys that I, that I coached at the high school. Um, and one of the kids name was Kobe. That's the first thing I thought, you know, Kobe who, and then he was like Kobe Bryant. So I was like, you know, I thought it was a social media type of little thing you know there's all kind of social media things that go on and people are playing games and you know then i let check my phone and everywhere on on the phone on emails and social media it said you know kobe was in a in a helicopter crash so i started calling you know most of my nba buddies and i was like you know what's going on with all this stuff and they was like yeah kobe was in a in a helicopter crash he's dead him and his daughter so i was like wow you know, I, I was just kind of speechless. It caught off guard. I think it caught, you know, the, the world kind of off guard. Nobody kind of knew what to do or say or how to react. You know, Kobe's one of those guys you never thought, you know, that's something that would happen to him. So after that, my first initial thing was, you know, was Kobe flying? Was he piloting the helicopter? But, you know, I didn't, you know, Kobe's one of those guys with many, many uh, skills, and I thought that was going to be his first thing. Was he flying? So I don't know. You know, it was, I'm still kind of speechless. You know, I, I spoke to Kobe on many occasions, played against him, went out to dinner with him, all these kind of things. So, you know, a, a bunch of memories just kind of, you know, fluttered through my head at one time. And I was like, wow, it's, it's kind of unreal. You know, he's not here anymore. As somebody, as somebody who's a pilot, how, how much did you think about that stuff and, and kind of research, like, kind of the fallout from, from all of that? Well, like I said, the first thing was, was he piloting it? You know, and then I would, the automatic first thought that came to my mind, you know, well, how, how was the flying conditions? You know, was there pilot error involved in it? You know, there's a bunch of things that goes through your head that could cause something like that to happen. Um, but then, you know, after I realized the, the flying conditions, the weather, the fog, where they were flying through, you know, there's a lot of variables that could have went wrong in that situation. You know, they were supposed to be grounded. 
You know, they weren't even supposed to be flying because of how dense and how heavy the fog was. And that's a normal thing out there. But the helicopter wasn't equipped with the right equipment. So, you know, it was it was a, a perfect storm, you kind of say, uh, just simmering for that. Was Kobe the best guy that you went against in the NBA? What what, what where, What's that list? Give me, like, your top two or three. <laughs> that, that's a tough question because through my career, I've had to guard – you know, all the best guys. That was kind of my position. Um, I, for some reason, it's an Oklahoma State thing. Tony had to do it. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> my twin brother had to do it. So it's it's one of those things. Like we're, I guess, those type of guys. I'm, and that's an attest to Eddie Sutton. He, he, he groomed a bunch of hard-nosed, you know, competitive guys yeah. with uh, us and Tony. And, you know, that that's just who we were. But uh, – Kobe's top three. Yeah, you know I've 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 had to guard LeBron, the Tracys, the Vinces, the Carmelos, the Kevin Durant's, the Allen Iversons. You know it, it's hard to put Kobe in a in a a pocket by himself because there's so many other great players. But you know if you look at it, you know and I've, I've even had to play against Michael Jordan. Mm. So it's he's 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 top three i would say I bet, top three and, and not in a certain order i bet uh i bet t-mac when he was like feeling it was just a nightmare to guard oh he was well i i had a chance to play with him against him and vince uh when they were in high school you know we were all from florida so we're all a bunch of florida boys so we used to play against them in high school and then the pro-ams in the summertime when everybody came home um, in the summers when he was even with the Magic, when Tracy was with the Magic, um, Vince was in Toronto, everybody would come home back to Florida and we all go to the gym. So it you know, I've I'm I was used to playing those guys growing up, but it was it was competitive. It was some hard nosed battles. Um and there's tons and tons of great basketball players that have come out of Florida. Tons of us. So well, that, that, you know, that's the thing, like you, you get to the NBA and you, you obviously had an, a, an amazing college career at Oklahoma state. And then you get to the NBA. What, what is the thing? Like, I think it's hard. I was talking to, to coach Boynton about this the other day, like how guys don't realize how unbelievable everybody in the NBA is. And so you get there yeah. and what, what is, what's it like to move up to that level? You know, you're a first round pick. You've obviously had a lot of success throughout, and then you get there and you're like, okay, this is this is difference. What's the biggest difference there? Like you said, it's college is is completely different. You know, you're going to get the best kids out of high school to go to college, and they're playing in a certain type of system. You know, when you get to the NBA, you're looking at the best of the best out of college and the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's why they say it's less than 1%, you know, that makes it. And that's it, just looking at it like that. It puts things into perspective. So, and when we, when I was playing, we used to have this acronym for the NBA and it was no boys allowed. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's a thing that goes on everybody. When you're a rookie, they, they tell you this almost every day, you know, it's, the acronym for it was no boys allowed. So when you get there, you're going to have to grow up. Yeah. You're going to have to see, you know, what it is to be a professional, how to take care of your body, how to compete, you know, and, and, and it's one of those things 
that you just you learn. And some guys find their niche earlier. Some guys don't. You know, they pay a lot of money for certain guys to do certain things. And the earlier you can find out what your thing is, the better and longer career you'll have. So, but for me, I would say I came in at a, a interesting time. Our draft was a little up and down. Um, great draft class. We got a lot of great guys that came out. Um, but you kind of have to get to the right team in the right place at the right time. And situation and circumstances always play a part. Um, so all you can control as a young player is your effort and how professional you are. And that goes a long way. And I, and I would say one thing that made me uh, the player who I was was how I ch- treated the game and how I competed and how professional I was. You know, I went to the gym every day, first one in, last one to leave. Um, but when you get to a certain team certain times, you know, they have guys there. I was coming in when Vince was leaving yeah. Toronto, and he was going another time. So they already had a certain amount of guys there for certain roles and certain positions. And Toronto was kind of on a a unique situation. When I first got there, we had, I would say, 10 to 15 guys that either came in and left right away. And it was at a time where, you know, guys didn't really want to play in Toronto. Yeah. Especially after Vince left. Tracy left, Vince left. So it was interesting. So we were building, um, had a general manager uh, change, coaching staff change. So it was a lot of things that went on, a lot of uncontrollable, unforeseen things um, that kind of went on while I was there. But I had a great time in Toronto. You know, I played four years there, then went on and played a few more years after in some other teams. So, Yeah, the uh, the 05 draft, this was the uh, the North Carolina draft. It was – so you went – Oh yeah, you went 16, and you had four North Carolina guys go ahead of you, which is unbelievable. It was uh, oh yeah, Marvin Williams, Raymond Felton, Sean May, and Rashad McCants all were top 14. It's interesting, right? Because Marvin wasn't even a starter. No, yeah, (laughs) and he was the highest one in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you can kind of look at it right there about the business side of the NBA. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of young guys don't look at it that way. But you quickly learn how much of a business the NBA is. You know, after a certain amount of games, I would say 30 or 40 games um, into an NBA season because you're playing back-to-backs and games on swings, West Coast. You know, and it's right at that 40 mark, you're kind of at the cusp of how many games you played in college. Yeah, and you, yeah. they call it the wall. They call it the wall. You hit the wall. And then you get tired, you, you know, you're tired of staying in the hotels, you're tired of doing this. And so you, you start to, your perspective changes a little bit. You start to look at things a little bit different, trying to figure out, you know, how you can be this type of person, how you can get over the wall, how you can get over the hump, the business side of it. You, you learn a lot of things. Um, and, and I would say that the NBA is doing a great job with these younger, younger guys. I came in and I was a little bit seasoned. I was 23. You know, I went through four or five years of college. Right. Um, you know, I wasn't a, rook, a freshman or a sophomore coming in, you know, early. You know, these guys are 19, you know, 20 years old. I was a little bit older. So, you know, I was a little bit more prepared. My body was a little bit more developed. I thought a little bit differently about things and outside the box than some of these younger guys. So, I mean, it's the NBA is what it is. It's fun. 
you learn, you grow, you take advantage of what it is at that time. More fun or less fun than college? Uh, one thing that you do learn, no matter where you go in the world, basketball is basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have five guys out there against five guys. And a lot of guys would tell you, like, if they weren't playing in the NBA for all this money, they'd still be in a gym somewhere. Yeah. Right? So yeah. basketball is basketball. But you learn. You grow from it. And it's, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, college is a different beast in itself. And then going to the pros is a completely different story, different ball game. Yeah. Uh, well, so Carson Cunningham, who's my co-host and couldn't be here today, we just went back and did a like a 70-minute podcast on the 2004 OSU St. Joe's game. And oh, yeah. we rewatched the whole thing. We broke it down. It was it was a blast. The whole game, huh? <laughs> it was it was more it was crazier than I remember it. There were only like thirty fouls in that game, which was not oh, yeah. it's not very many. It was it was kind of frenetic. And I'm just I'm curious about what you remember from that game and, and that, that uh you know, going to the final four that year. Well, of course the first thing that pops into my mind was the Last few minutes, that's the first initial thing. You know, when when we had that opportunity to go up and I had the ball at the top of the key, the play was drawn off for me. And they came and sent the double, and I kicked it over to John, and he hit that the shot kind of that was the game winner. Yep. Um, But building up to the game, a lot of people don't know that we had three of the five starters were very, very sick. We had food poisoning the, a couple days before. So it was me, myself, Ivan McFarland, and Tony Allen. <laughs> Three crucial, important guys. We were very sick with food poisoning the day before the day of the game. So was that... Was we that, were all quarantined. Were you, were you sick during the pit game, or was it after that? It was after the pit game. Okay. So when we flew into New Jersey, um, you know, you don't never, you never know where you're going to get sick or when you're going to get sick. All I know is we went out to eat. Can't remember the restaurant. It was an Italian spot. Um, shortly after that night, uh, Ivan started throwing up everywhere. Mm. Then the when, then we went to practice the day before uh, the game. I started feeling sick. My stomach was feeling queasy, so I started throwing up everywhere. So they put me and Ivan. Usually Ivan and I didn't room together, so they put Ivan – and myself in a room together because we didn't want to spread it to any of the rest of the guys just in case it was something, you know. But all I know is Ivan and I were up all night throwing up mm. everywhere the day before the game. So the night before the game and then building up into the game and the pregame and the shoot around in the morning, Tony gets sick. He's throwing up everywhere. So we're trying to figure out, you know, when were we really in contact with Tony? You know, we didn't really do anything. So Tony's – in the locker room, he's in the in the back, you know, throwing up in the trash cans everywhere. And by that time, Ivan and I had already got everything out of our system. We were throwing up everywhere, couldn't hold any food down. So we were just hydrating right before the game, up to the pregame and right before the game. So we, we were just drained. We didn't have any energy, um, couldn't hold any food down. And then Tony was just a mess. <laughs> so the, you got you – got, Three crucial, three out of five of the crucial players that play all the minutes, <laughs> just terribly sick. 
So we 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 kind of pulled ourselves in the corner. And we just said, "Look, this is a do or die time." You know, either we're going to come out here and suck this up and and play sick and play hard. You know, many of guys have done it. <laughs> or we're just going to go out here and lay down. And the type of guys that we were, Ivan and Tony and myself, very competitive. We didn't care if we were sick or not. We knew we were going to play in that game. We knew the position. We knew the situation we were in. We knew where we wanted to go and what we could do. So we just sucked it up. Went out there, stowing up at the halftime. Didn't matter. Went out there and we all played great games. Ivan, myself, and Tony all played great. It's, so. it's interesting because we, when we went back and watched it, it was really, you know, I, Tony struggled in the first half in terms of, yeah. um, you know, he, he, he made some weird passes. He was kind of dribbling into double teams. But he was still playing. Well, you can see why. <laughs> yeah, and and I didn't know that. And and he was yeah. he was still playing, playing great, great defense. He had to guard yeah. Delonte West, who I didn't remember. Delonte and Jameer as well, yeah. Delonte West was a stud. Like he was he yeah. was explosive. Oh, yeah. And uh Oh yeah. I'm curious about because the first half was was not what the season was. It it, it looked choppy. It was it was kind of it was all over the place. But the second half was amazing. Yeah. And I'm curious about if you remember what happened at halftime, what Coach Coach Sutton said, or what clicked for you guys that, that changed that second half? Well, the game before, Pittsburgh, you know, that's a different game. When you kind of get to the St. Joe's game and we knew where that was going to project us to, there's going to be, of course, some jitters, and there's yeah. going to be a little bugs that you have yeah. to work out. It, it goes with any team. No team is going to play 100% the whole game. Great. So after that first half, we got all the jitters out. Uh, I guess we got all the throwing up and all the sickness out, and we realized, like, hey, you know, we're a better team than this. We've been too far. We've done too much. We've already put ourselves in a position where – you know, this is do or die. And we just rallied up, got all the guys on the same page and said, hey, these guys can't stay with us. They can't play with us. We're way better. We're matched up way better. We got too many more weapons on our team than they do. And once we realized that, second half we came out, it was just explosive. It was a completely different ball game. Yeah, it, re- it really was. It, it was uh... – yeah. It, it was a, it was a cool ending and a, and a, and a really fun run uh, just for that team to go on and 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 take it into yep. uh, to the following year as well. Um, I got to ask you yep. about this. So there was a there was a game before I think it was the second round against Memphis that year, and you had a, you had a <laughs> Memphis game. Oh yeah, you had a dunk in that game, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But there, there was somebody else that brought up brought this up the other day on our site. That uh, and I didn't remember this, but the the dunk at A and M. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, when they called offensive foul. Yeah, they called a charge on it. So I mean, people yeah. people should go look it up on YouTube because it, it's it's unbelievable. But I'm curious about what you feel like is your the best <laughs> the best dunk of your college career. Oh man, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many. That was that was kind of my thing, you know. I was a super athletic, had big hands. Um, I was kind of out of position, but I wasn't because of my size and speed and quickness and strength. You know, I was able to play the four or five position. Yeah. So when I was guarding, you know, these 6'10", 270-pound, 250-pound you know, guys, and I was, what, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 230 pounds, I was 
you know, I was undersized and underweight, but because of, you know, the type of player that I was, um, it allowed me to do a lot of things. So I kind of took advantage of that. And it put me in a situation where I would bring out the other bigger, slower guys that were guarding me out to the wing because I played, you know, guard my whole position. I can dribble the ball. I had a quick first step. So when I brought those big guys out, it kind of just cleared the lane. So it, it, it was an opportunity for me to just dunk on a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can't, I don't know if there's one, you know, the Memphis dunk was huge. The A&M dunk was huge. There's just so many, you know, a lot of people put those certain dunks in a, in a category as, you know, like top whatever's. But there, you know, there were other games where I had the, there were more important dunks, you know, yeah. crucial dunks and ones, you know, that made, you know, that was a catapult or a catalyst for the momentum of the game shifting. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just tons of them. You know, Tony had some, my brother had some, John had some big threes. You know, it, I can't say that there was just one dunk, but, you know, those, the Memphis game, A&M game, I remember that one like, yesterday it was the worst call in life <laughs> and if you look at it you can see where the guy was standing i should have just completely jumped over him <laughs> but he kind of he started falling even before i kind of got to him so and when john dropped it off i knew if it, my whole thing was if i was anywhere around the rim five feet six seven feet you know i you were going to get dunked on. That's yeah. just my mentality. If you were there, I was going to try to jump over your dunk. You put you in the hoop. I bet. That I was bet, just my whole thing. I bet John Lucas's eyes got huge when he saw you when he saw you coming at him from from uh, half court there. You know what? I don't know. I think John wanted to score it. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, John wanted to score every time he touched the ball. He wanted to score. But at that certain time, uh, I I knew, and I was yelling. I'm on the on the way down the floor. I was like, trailer, trailer. <laughs> And he looked back and dropped it off. And as soon as he dropped it off, I already knew. You know, I saw the guy coming over, rotating over, and I was like, I'm going to just dunk on this guy. <laughs> I, I knew it as soon as I touched the ball. So you saw me when I caught the ball, I gathered my steps and just exploded up and jumped over him. <laughs> but they called the worst call in life. It was bad. So, and he was like right underneath the rim. It's like if we had charge circles, there's no way. That would have been a poster. Yeah. It was not good. There was another well, yeah. one. Uh, big, the t there was a game at home against Texas. Basically, I think it was to clinch the Big Twelve regular season championship. And there was an oh, yeah. there was an alley oop. It, at the very that, that's end. my point exactly right there. You know, there's other games that yeah. clinches yeah. other dunks. You know, but I, yeah, I remember that one as well. I got to ask you about, uh, and we'll we'll get you out of here in just a second. But I got to ask you: there was a recent recent photo that you took with. Uh, with T.A., with Tony Allen, with James on, and yep. Coach Sutton mm -hmm. at, uh, at Gallagher-Ibbon. You know, for me, I, I'm I'm 35. I think you're a little bit older than that. And, you know, I, I kind of was in high school and college around the time that all of you guys were playing. And to see that picture with Coach Sutton now, it was such a passage of time thing. Like, it just kind of hit oh, me. Oh, yeah. How much yeah. did you see that photo, and what did you think whenever you saw it? I haven't seen the photo, but I remember taking it. And uh, it, it's it's hard, very, very hard to see Coach Sutton like that. You know, you, you, you remember Coach 
especially me, as one of those guys that was always getting yelled at. He was always in my ear, always trying to bring the best out of me as a as a young player. So when you when you go up to coach and you know it's a little bit hard for him to remember right away, and he doesn't speak a whole lot. You know, it it, it, it kind of hits you. You know, like time has passed. <laughs> it's a lot of time that's passed, and his health is just deteriorating fast. But you know, he we we talked to him, we whispered in his ear, we were trying to get coach to remember the times that he was there coaching us and what he meant to us, um, like the father figure that he was when we played for him. And we started talking to him and you can kind of see him smiling and he started to remember and he started to, and I know he wanted to talk if he could, (laughs) I guarantee you, he'd he'd say a ton of stuff um, to us about the past and, him coaching us when we were there in Gallagher and um, what we meant to each other. Yeah. And I know it, it, it hit a little bit closer to home um, with James on and Tony. Yeah. Because they came from really, really hard situations, really, really difficult situations in their past. You know, James on when from North Carolina and Tony from Chicago, you know, I was a little bit different coming from Florida, but you know, every guy on our team had a story. And I don't know if Coach, that's what the kind of guys that he was looking for, but he was able to gel guys from different walks of life, different areas, different environments, different situations, circumstances, and put them together and get the best out of them. And if that's not what a Hall of Fame coach is, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, how many coaches can you say have done that? A lot of good players come from different situations and you know different skills and different talents. But are they that type of mentor? Are they that type of father figure to a bunch of guys that just come from different walks of life and different situations, circumstances? Well, and, and so that's, that's that's what coach brought. That's what he was to us. Yeah, that's why the, I thought the job he did, and you know he had several great teams, right? But the job he did. Oh yeah. The job he did in 04 and 05, because everybody, I mean, John Lucas comes from a weird situation at Baylor. You guys are, right. tra- you yep. guys are transferring yep. in, TA transfers in, and it's like, yep. It's so you got all this talent, but that's sometimes the hardest thing is to make everybody, it is, je- you know, like play well together. And, and, and I thought he did just an unbelievable job of that, both in 04 and 05. The 05 team was great. And, you know, another team that could have gone to the Final Four. Um, I would honestly say the last the three years that I were there could have easily been three national championships. Yeah, we we had that we had that type of talent, and we had that type of coach and staff and everybody. You know, it, a certain play or certain something could have changed the outcome of a lot of things in those three games or those three years. Yeah. So you know, we we had a talented group of guys and. It just goes you goes to show what type of coach he was. We had tons of talent, tons of different guys, and he was able to bring all of us together, fall in line, and the game plan, defense, 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 and every single person on that team from the first one through the five to the guys on the bench knew that that's what it was. You were going to play defense, and you were going to play hard, and you were going to compete. And that's every day, practice, 
games, even if it wasn't basketball. That's just what it was with us. You know, and you can a lot of guys remember that shoulder pad and helmet thing <laughs> that we did. You know, that people forget that sometimes. Yeah. Like that's that's the type of coach and the players that we had. Yeah. We were just some hard nosed guys, competitive guys, and you know, that that brought out a whole other side of us. And a lot of people don't know the reason we did that is because we got our rebounded. That was the BYU game, the game. wasn't it? The BYU game, the one player it was, Rafael LaRuccio. Uh, I think that was his, yeah. He out rebounded our whole team individually. <laughs> he had like I don't know twenty something rebounds more than our team. And coach looked at us and you know of course it's me and Ivan's fault first and foremost <laughs> because we were the main two guys that were supposed to get all the rebounds. <laughs> and that was the catalyst for that. You know, we, let alone we lost the game and we played like some bums, but we got our rebounded by one player. Yeah. So shoulder pads and helmets came out, <laughs> and he was trying to build character and toughness, even though we already had it. He wanted us to know, like it doesn't matter who you guys play against, whatever level you're going to compete and you're going to play hard, and you're not going to let one person dictate the outcome of the game. Yeah. And we got it. <laughs> and after that, you can remember we ran on a stretch of games. Couldn't nobody stay in the gym with us. Yeah, we was, were beating teams by 20, 30 points. Yeah. The can the Kansas was, Big Monday crazy. game. The Kansas Big Monday game. Oh, yeah. Gotta I think the only losses were, I think, Tech and then a double overtime game to Missouri, I believe. And then yep. nothing else until the Georgia Tech game in the Final Four. Yep. We it was a we strung a bunch of games together. I think we went like thirteen and something. We ran them off. Yeah. Just game after game. It was it was good times. We were having fun. Yeah. But we knew where we were trying to go. And we knew, you know, we had certain guys that had certain missions we were trying to accomplish. So that's what it was. Fun yeah. times though. It was. It was time. it was a lot of fun times. And hey, this was this was a fun time. I appreciate your time, Joey. I, I uh Oh, anytime. Yeah. It was great. Great to talk anytime. hoops. Great to talk Oklahoma State. Great to talk Coach Sutton. And uh hey, good luck Absolutely. with the quarantining. We've been we've been uh Oh, you as well. Yeah, we've been just destroying board I've got four kids, so we've been just killing the board games over here. So uh um, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you We're need, trying to find all kind of stuff. If you need any recommendations, just holler at me. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Okay, that was uh, that was a blast. Joey's great. I love talking to guys about. I, I think sometimes when when you talk to you know former players or coaches, and you kind of get into the details of stuff, it it kind of um, you know hopefully it, it clicks for them where they're you know it's not just like, hey, it'd be fun to have Joey Graham on. Now I want to talk about like the the. 2003 BYU game you know that happened in November of 03 and and what went down there and and what was the fallout from that and I think I think that I I hope um just makes it click for them of like let's get into this stuff let's talk about you know guarding T-Mac and guarding Kobe I love talking about that stuff and uh yeah Joey was great it was a lot of fun uh I'm gonna come back with my biggest takeaway from talking to Joey uh, in just a minute. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. 
They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, two big takeaways from talking to Joey Graham today. Uh, number one, I did not know that Tony Allen and uh, Joey and Ivan McFarlane were all sick during the regional final in 2004. We kind of, Carson and I kind of got after Tony on whenever we taped our rewatchables on Thursday. I didn't realize he was he was that sick. That makes a lot of sense because he was just he did not look like himself. So Joey explaining that I thought was was super interesting. And then the other thing for me is just the reverence that those guys still have for for Eddie Sutton. You know, I I think that you don't hear you don't hear players talk about coaches in that way super often. And so to kind of get him on you know, the photo that him and, and Tony and James on took with Coach Sutton a couple weeks ago. And just looking back on those times and, and what his thoughts were on playing for Eddie Sutton, I thought that was I thought that was super interesting. I, I wanted to ask him, if we would have gone longer, I would have asked him about uh, coaching because he's gotten into coaching a little bit and just what he's applied from Eddie Sutton, from, from what Eddie Sutton taught him to the kids that he's coaching and teaching. I, I think that would be, uh, I think that would be interesting. So maybe we'll have to have him back on to, uh, to talk about that. Also wanted to ask him about flying. I know that when he was in the NBA, he couldn't pilot. Uh, I think that was a contractual deal, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to know if he got back into that. So, uh, you know, we, we put out questions, uh, in the chamber for our PFB uh, plus members. Uh, that was fun. Got to ask a few, a couple of those. I think I squeezed a couple in, uh, just about, uh, Joey's career. And, uh, we're going to keep doing that. We'll, we'll have some more fun guests on, uh, at the beginning of next week. We actually have quite a few lined up for next week. So, uh, I'll put, uh, a post up in the chamber, just asking for, that's our forum name, by the way, the chamber, just asking for, uh, questions from folks who, um, you know, want their questions on here. We, you know, sometimes we can't get to all of them, which, uh, stinks, but, uh, yeah, we try to get to as many as possible. So um, thank you guys for participating in that. And, uh, we got a big week next week, really excited about some of the guests we have on. I think you guys will be excited, maybe surprised, maybe not, uh, but we'll see. And thanks again to Joey Graham for coming on the podcast today. I had a ton of fun, just talking ball. I mean, that was my big takeaway from this week is got to talk to Coach Boynton on Tuesday, Joey Graham on Friday, and just to talk hoops, to get to get those guys cranked up about the things that they're passionate about, to me, is super fun because I know I love talking about the things that I'm passionate about, and you can I think you can hear it in their voice. I think you can hear uh, them just, just excited to talk ball, to talk about you know, guys that they've, uh, you know, in, in Coach Boynton's case, coached against or, or, or coached. And then in Joey's case, you know, played against or played with. Uh, and I could talk to them about that all day. But I uh, want to be respectful of their time. Uh, happy social distancing this weekend, everybody. And Carson and I will be back at the beginning of next week.